Turn with me to Galatians. That's where we are. The uh, amazing book that we're going through. And it is very practical about Christian living. And I want to make sure today that it's something that you see how amazing and true and important gospel freedom is. <laughs> you might say, well, Dax, gospel freedom, and, and plus it says part two. I don't remember talking about gospel freedom last week. We talked about how people take discipleship wrong, spiritual formation wrong, how they, they twist it around and put you under burdens. Yeah, <laughs> this is all about freedom, what freedom really is. You know, I could probably, if we went out of the room and we just said, hey, I want, you, I want you to tell me what the gospel is. Tell me what the gospel is. Tell me what the gospel is. A couple sentences. Give me the gospel. And probably you would get there. First Corinthians 15, Jesus came, he died, he rose again. He's amazing. That's our Savior. But if I went around and said, what's freedom in the context of the gospel? Because people do this a lot. And mostly what you hear out of Galatians is just, well, it's freedom not to sin anymore. Freedom from what? The Bible says you're free. This is the message of Galatians. I don't understand it, honestly. Uh, you, you know, you and I were slaves to sin, I get that. But now Jesus has set you free. So you're free to what? And we fill in the blank, right? To be better people than I was, we were before. To make better choices. To be better. Or maybe, maybe I'm free now to actually accomplish something for God that I couldn't do before. I'm free. So, so you know that's a take, right? If you're going down that line with me, let's go there just for a minute before we jump in. You're talking about freedom as empowerment. Right? We see that as our limitation. The issue is I don't have ability. So freedom is a giving of ability. Like, like, like you say, well, you, you know, I'm free to go to the moon. Well, I'm not free unless I got a rocket ship and then I can go. So if you get me the rocket ship, then I'll go. Now I'm free. Right? Free to impact my children for Jesus. Free to be better. Free from my bad choices. If only I had more power, more ability, I would do better. I would, I would be better. That's our idea of freedom. I just want you to see that leads you to certain behaviors that's practical. And when Paul goes an entirely different direction, it is also very practical. That is not freedom. As we're talking about today in the gospel. Paul wants you to have Jesus Christ wants you to have God declares to you freedom. What is that? Jesus Christ is our rest. He calls those who are burdened, who are heavily laden with their guilt and shame and lack, and he sets us free, not in some theoretical way, in a real, practical, functional way. It is upside-down power. It is assurance and hope and life. <laughs> it's life in somebody else's power and ability. This is the gospel, the good news, and the message of the Bible. And I tell you, it's not what we think it is. It's, it's so often, freedom is so much more than we make it out to be. It's surprising the Bible declares you're free. I want you to see it's this message of both the Old Testament and the New. 
That's Paul's statement today. He wants to make sure you see this is the message in the Old Testament and the New. Not just the New Testament. It's not just some new message that you shouldn't understand. This has always been the message. And we grab hold of it and we say, this is God's news for us and it's going to splash all over my life. And it's great. (laughs) Oh, this is just the introduction. We're actually going to the text, the Bible in Galatians. So turn there, if you will. It's Galatians chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 21. We're picking it up from last week. And it starts with two sons. A bunch of twos. Two sons. So it's important to understand that. And then we're going to, he's going to use an example to, to kind of put two categories out there. There's only two. Not 25. Tell me, Paul says in verse 21. You who desire to be under the law... Do you not listen to the law? I mean, this is, well, he's he's talking to Christians. He's talking now to Christians. People who want to be under the law, people are coming in and telling them, hey, what you need to do now that you've accepted Jesus, Jesus is fabulous, now what you need to do is get circumcised and follow the Ten Commandments. And all the rest of the stuff, dietary, everything. God's instructions from the law is what we do, say these people who are coming in. And so Paul addresses them. Not a, he says to them, tell me, you guys who think we need to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? So, okay. And maybe you know people like this. Maybe you're like this yourself. I know people. The law is eternal. The law is something that is so high. I'm so sad that people don't follow the law. Well, do you understand the law? Do you get it? Because he's speaking to people who are trying to rob Believers of their freedom. Right? Wanting to make much of them while they judge you and keep you low. That was last week. But, but, but here we are. So do you understand Moses? Do you understand the message? Well, okay, what is it? Here. For it is written that Abraham had two sons. One by a slave woman. One by a free woman. Oh, oh, I, I remember that story. It's a Genesis 15 and 16 where, where God appears to Abram and, 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 and says, oh, I'm going to rename you, but I also am going to give you a child. And they were already old, but then nothing happened. Time's going by. They're like, well, I, what were we supposed to do? Maybe we're maybe we're supposed to do something here, and so you get Sarah. Remember Sarah's Abraham's wife, and so I'm not getting pregnant here. So here, take my handmaiden and have a kid. Her name was Hagar. It's all in the Old Testament. This is in the Law of Moses, right? Sarah wasn't getting pregnant. They decided to take things into their own hands, and so and, and so there it is, right? That's that Abraham had two kids. One was named. Ishmael, that's the first kid. And then there's a second kid, uh, Isaac. He says this, But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. See, the flesh was this idea that you're going to do it yourself. God enabled because he gave us the promise. You know, he told us this is going to happen, but now I've got to grab hold of it and get it done, you know. That's the idea. Abraham took... Sarah took the word of God and said, we will accomplish it. You know, like God gives us instructions and we get it done. That's the model. And the Bible calls that, Paul calls that, according to the flesh. 
I mean, if you ever really consider the story, it's obviously true, right? Their plan, Sarah giving her handmaiden to Abraham, and they have Ishmael, and, and, but Sarah then still had her child that she was so unbelieving it would happen that she was laughing about it, and therefore they called his name Laughter, which is Isaac. This is the Old Testament story, and Paul's saying, hey, you know, it's right there in the law. Look, God had him have two kids. Ishmael's the son of the slave, Isaac, the son of the free woman. Isaac's going to have two kids, Esau and Jacob, and Jacob will be renamed his name to Israel. Or to Israel, that's going to be the nation. It's all coming out of Isaac, right? That's the idea. So there's these two sons of Abraham. So Paul is saying to Abraham's people, there's two groups, you know, from Abraham. (laughs) Only two. Which one are you in? So if you are an Israelite, or you are Jewish and have become, which, which group are you? Well, I'm, of course, Israel. I'm from Isaac. I'm a child of the promise. That's the whole idea. You would say, right? I would say, no, no, no. Don't be a son of the slave woman. Even though you're from Abraham, don't be of Israel. Be of Isaac, the son of the promise. And everybody who's keeping the law of God would say, that's who I am. You need to be in the right camp? Amen. You need to not just be in Abraham, but in Israel. You need to be in the covenant promise, which means you need to do the right actions because that's what it meant to be of Israel, of Isaac, of promise. So two sons, everybody's with me, I hope. And, and, and everyone who was listening to Paul would be like, amen and hallelujah. It's the next piece that he then twist around like you wouldn't believe. Well, we have to believe it. It's the word of God. (laughs) Look what he does. He says there's actually two covenants. Okay, now this may be interpreted allegorically. He said, now, there's there's a symbolism to this, you guys. It's not just, we're not just talking about Ishmael and like the nations that came out of Ishmael and Isaac and the nations that came out of Isaac. And this is not a history lesson. There's symbolism going on. He said, because these two women are two covenants What's a covenant? It's a promise document, right? It's a treaty. There's two means of relating to God. And, and it's God and mankind. He says there's two of them. One is from Mount Sinai. Remember Mount Sinai, right? That's where Moses went up and he received the Ten Commandments. That's where he met with God for 40 days. That, that, that's where he, 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 he did all the interaction that came down with with all the things they were to do to keep covenant with God. And they all promised to keep covenant with God. And so, so, so he's saying one covenant is that one, Moses going up to Mount Sinai and, and, and then he's bearing children for promise. Wait a minute. Bearing children for slavery. What? What? Paul's making a mistake. Paul drank something bad. Paul ate bad pizza last night. This can't be, right? Wait, wait, he's saying, Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit, he's writing and saying, no, there is a covenant that was Mount Sinai in the law, and what it does is bear kids. It bear kids for slavery. That's Hagar. I I can't overstate the shock this would cause you if, if it would be like you were them. 
listening to this because you're in the line of Isaac. You're, you, you are Israel. You, you identify with the children of promise. And here's Paul, and he's saying, you know, Moses going on the mountain is, a, is you're, you're being a child of Hagar. Because he says, now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem. Lest you have any mistake. And she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. So, so, so getting people into covenant with God through the law. Well, we don't do that. Law-based discipleship. Law-based stuff. Right? You're pushing people towards slavery. But, but, but there's another mother, another one bearing children. Those are children of freedom. That's just right. The Jerusalem above is free, and, and she is our mother. So there's two covenants, there's two mothers, there's two Jerusalems in our text. The contrast is the point. There's no middle ground. The second Jerusalem is the Jerusalem above heaven, where Jesus Christ is, where he lives to make intercession for us. Totally different basis, totally different channel, totally different covenant. That's the point. The child of slavery is under the law. The child of promise is free. This is the ground of why it's incredibly important to divide law and gospel. We do. You can't make them go back and forth. They bear two different children. The law makes slaves. The gospel brings the news that Jesus frees slaves. Not ashamed that I was enslaved and Jesus Christ has freed me. I'm not going back. I say that, but I try. Right, right. So, so, so how are so many of our teachers pushing this law-based stuff? Like discipleship, right? Flesh-based programs of spiritual formation because they don't have Paul's insight. They're confused. Holy Spirit insight that's in the Bible. Right, right? Because our hope then is in a very different covenant, a different way of having a relationship with God. A covenant that's based on a promise. We've already identified in Galatians where that promise is. It's where God promised Abraham, Abraham and his seed, Abraham and his seed who is Jesus. God promised Jesus. Jesus gives it to us. Go. Oh, I thought I was going to have a mic drop. Like, literally. <laughs> That's it, right? For, for You need the whole story. You, you, to understand the New Old Testament, you actually got to get Jeremiah that talks about the new covenant that's coming. you got to get Isaiah that we read this morning. Uh, remember Isaiah 53? We read it every Christmas time, really. We read it every, every Easter. We talk about, oh, the suffering servant, how, how his stripes have been laid on us, and, and he has borne the iniquity of us all, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Emmanuel, Prince of Peace. This is all Isaiah 52, 53. Jesus. God has laid our sins upon him by his stripes we are healed. The very next verses in Isaiah is what Paul then quotes here. Look what he says. For it is written, rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. 
For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. (laughs) This is fabulous stuff. Because he's taking Isaiah and saying, you who are barren get to have children. Why? By the promise of God. You already don't have anything. He said, this is where you come in, says Paul. This is where our covenant, this is where being a child of the promise is. Is God has promised and we say yes and amen. Because all of God's promises are what? Yes and amen. Oh! This is a cry of promise. Rejoice because God will make the barren fruitful. You are desolate in yourself, but I will do a work, says God. You want to receive this amazing suffering servant. You want him to act. You want to trust him. This is the new covenant. This is God for us forever. And one of the best examples I have of <laughs> the Bible is amazing and it gives these incredible story. Acts 8. Remember Acts 8? Remember Acts 8 where, where, where the eunuch is in his chariot. He's from Ethiopia. Ethiopia is like way over in Africa and he's come all the way to Jerusalem to worship God and he's on his way back. And so you got to fill in the details, but it's super clear. If he was a eunuch, he would go to Jerusalem and he would not come near to God. Why not? Because people with certain body parts missing don't get to come in. You can worship from afar, but you don't get to come into the temple. You don't get to come into God's presence. You don't get to come and actually worship God. You don't get to. So he's on his way back, and he's reading the Bible. Where is he reading? He's reading from Isaiah 53. Just before our passage that Paul quotes here. And he's reading, talking about the suffering servant. And, and then Philip kind of appears there. And, he's, and Philip says, oh, well, what does this mean, says the eunuch? I'm coming back from being Nothing. I'm barren. I have no children. I physically can't. I'm coming from Jerusalem where I couldn't come close to God. I'm headed back home. I'm reading about, oh, there's a suffering servant. And so it says, look at this. Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture here in Acts 8, he told him the good news about Jesus. Not the law. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? What prevents the barren from hearing the good news of Jesus and saying, I want that? Nothing, says Philip. And so they, he gets baptized. And then he entered a life of discipleship. No! And then if you go read it, we're not going to... Then what happened is, Philip, poof, disappeared. And the eunuch went back home. Barren dude now has this promise of God. And you know, you know, I've shared this before, you know that there's a whole church there in that area. Two plus million believers over time. And you know, they look back and say, we have a dad. Who's our dad? He's in Acts 8. He had no kids. Now, by that message of the gospel, the good news, millions of kids, God used him. How? The promise. It's all by promise. God does stuff by promise. Then that's what this is. You know, Isaiah 53 to Isaiah 54, it's the suffering servant and then the barren. Get, get kids, the barren, you get blessed, you get, you get, you get given. It, it, it's all a gift. That, that's what the gospel is. It's a different way of relating to God. None of those barren people are like law keepers. Am I clicking too much? Don't raise your hands, he says. Okay, I know. 
I get too excited, you know, I raise my hands and then we start clicking and then, ah, okay. But there's two births is what's going on. We're talking about two births. Again, I'm, I'm trying to get you to see this is the Bible's view of what it means to be free. And if you're with me so far, you might, you might catch the hint. That actually kind of criticize how I think about freedom. But, but I, uh, what is freedom? And, and so we're looking at it in, in is there being two categories of people who say they're gods. I say I'm gods. The one category is people who say I'm God by keeping God's instructions on Mount Sinai, by being a law keeper. And, and then there's another, I have a relationship with God because of um, the promise of God to me. And they're not the same. As Paul's saying in the Bible, and Paul's saying from the Old Testament, even, even if you go back to Genesis, those are not the same thing. There's a child of slavery. There's a child of freedom. How does that impact me? Okay, we're still getting there, but you've got to see, it is two complete different births. Now you, brothers, sisters too, he's not talking about men, are children of promise. Now he's talking directly to the church. He's talking to Gentile believers like you and me. He's saying we are we, we really have nothing to do with that. We are children of God's promise to us. The promise is contained in the law. The promise is proclaimed by Christ. The promise is all about the gospel. He says this is what it is, right? But this is this is the reality that we're in. And you've got to let this sink in. You might be, no, you are a child of God promised Jesus, and here you are by the Holy Spirit of God, who cries out to you into your heart. We've seen this in Galatians already. Abba, Father, Daddy, Dad, Dad, God of the universe, your Dad. You are an heir of God. That's who you are, he says, not who you might be. Identity found. He has you, and he keeps you, and he uses you, and you're free from keeping forms and making evidences so that he stays happy with you. You know, there are children born into slavery. Oh, how I want them to be free. Born into a system kept in prison, and the surprising thing is is that what's keeping them is the law. There are those lots who remain that now, right? Slavery is the system of the world, merit and personal empowerment and ability and forced behavior. We can say we want the heart, but the only thing I can really judge is the outside, so that's what I do. I want compliance. I still do. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. And Genesis records that, how Ishmael perhaps made fun of, of Isaac, but, but also you see through time, right, the, the people who came out of Ishmael persecuted Israel and God's chosen nation. Now it's more, what, what are you doing for God? Not just trust But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. This is an action to be taken, Paul says. 
right? It is to throw out the slave woman and her son. He cannot inherit with the son of the free woman. Well, what does that mean, right? I mean, he's talking allegorically, right? What is he saying? You cannot mix gospel and law. You can't use the law to accomplish what the gospel has done. You can't come back and take away freedom, freedom from the law. The son of the slave doesn't get the inheritance. Don't bring people back into slavery and understand, you know, those in slavery want company. The the word that we have for this is usually gospel. Have you heard of that one? Gospel. You put gospel and you put law in the middle and it's a gospel. You know, you, you, you know, what it's, it's a fundamental thing is that you have a hand in your relationship with God because it leads to pride and despair and conditionality and burden and slavery. And the one who's saved to the uttermost is who? Slave is saved to the uttermost. There's no more saving to be done. There, there's no more accomplishment to be done because Jesus Christ has saved to the uttermost who? Those who trust him. I'm quoting Hebrews, by the way. There it is. Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Through him, which is what? Through promise. Because he always lives to make intercession for. I'd way rather when I get to heaven, wouldn't you? When you get to heaven and you you got saved and all your eyes got opened and you knew Jesus and you get to heaven and, 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 and there's, you know, the Bema seat or however you want to say the judgment seat and there's God's talking. Say, why are, why are you getting in? I am not going to say, oh, did you see my parenting? By the power of the Holy Spirit, it was awesome. First, that's not true. And second, it's not good enough. It's going to be what? Jesus Christ did it all for me. That's the reality I live in every single day of my life forever. Okay, so if you're with me, right? When we go back to proclaiming something else, when we shift into something else, to what you must do to remain, we introduce confusion, we act outside the promise, we confuse slavery and freedom. And make no mistake, this is about freedom. Perhaps you still don't understand what is meant by freedom here by Paul. Freedom, and I say, it's not even the issue. Yeah, go one more verse. You know, there weren't chapter breaks in, in, in the original text. Here's the next verse. In Galatians, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This is the danger, and this is the command. Stand firm. Stand firm against one. Going back to slavery, this is what you got. You are free, and you have been freed for freedom. But but, but there's a caveat. Yeah, it's in verse 14. We'll get there. It's coming. Don't worry. Live here. Right? See with gospel eyes. The world, freedom by empowerment is what they're selling. The only way to give liberty is to give the power to make your own choices, to make you a little God. That's what it's all about, right? You want to fly to the moon? You need ability and power to get there. You want to walk? You need freedom from disease. So God, the whole purpose of God must be to make me powerful enough to do the things that I want to do. That's freedom. So people everywhere, right? They're wrong. They take the message of the law as a, as a message of empowerment. 
Here are the steps to get the power of God on your side to be his. And they're moral and reasonable and clearly given. And Paul is the one who has to come and say, this isn't freedom. Because there is no empowerment. The law makes children of slavery. And woe to you if you take the gospel as the power to keep the law to become free. That's gospel. Christ has set you free, not the freedom of empowerment, but free from burden, the freedom of what you're carrying. Freedom means to me, to me wrongly in my flesh, right? Freedom means the means to accomplish the dreams and desires that I have. You know, I want to be free to fly to the moon. I I can't, you know, so I I don't have wings or rocket ship. So so if if God is going to give me freedom, he's going to give me a rocket ship. No. Paul says for freedom you're set free. He's speaking of freedom from slavery. Freedom from slavery. That freedom from slavery is not freedom from sin. Not here. It's freedom from law-based relationship with God. You are bound. You are bound to the law, the way of living in order to remain in fellowship with God. Self-advancement, self-righteousness, self-improvement, self-judgment. So the freedom is freedom from yourself. I look around, I see amazing children of promise. It's all by promise by what Jesus has done. It's not by you. You are his by promise, full stop. You are his. It's the actual message of the law, Paul says. That was what the message was always. It's not something new. This is the substance of the gospel. You've been accepted in the beloved. You are a child of God because of Jesus. Full stop. Full stop. This is freedom from law-keeping as judgment forever. How is this freedom? doesn't sound like the freedom that I kind of want to have because I want to be a little God myself, honestly. What I really want is for God to say, okay, Swanson, you're good enough. Here's some power. Go do the things you want. And then hopefully he'll make the things I want really good so then I'll do good things and then then I'll be good and I'll get a shiny star when I get to heaven. That's all law. When he says, do not submit again, do not submit again to guilt because you haven't done enough. Do not submit again to so-called good Christians putting burdens on you. Ranking, evaluating, accounting, bookkeeping, none of it. Stand firm. (laughs) That's what it is, right? Stand firm. Be like me was Paul's first command in the letter. That was last week. And here's the second. Stand firm. Not in increasing personal holiness. Oh, no. Stand firm in freedom. This is the freedom that is real and functional It really is. It's not just theoretical. I want to quote to you. I had a wonderful little list my wife gave me from Tully and Chavidian, a little clip. He's so good at this. So here are his words. He says this. He says, freedom from the pressure to make it on our own. Freedom from the demand to measure up. Freedom from the burden to get it all right. Freedom from the obligation to fix ourselves. Freedom from the obligation to fix anyone else. Freedom from the need to be strong. Freedom from the need to win. Freedom to fall apart. Freedom to take off our masks. Freedom to stop pretending. Freedom to admit our need. Freedom from the burden of trying to impress people. 
from trying to appease people, from trying to measure up for people, from trying to prove ourselves to people. All this is freedom because you already are a child of promise. You already are an heir, right? And the air that we are in these bodies that are what? It was laminated wood that's blown up when it gets wood on it. Water, whatever it is. That was great. That's me. And I can be me. I got a little more quote. I get sorry. I get excited. Freedom from trying to control what other people think of us. Freedom from the miserable, unquenchable pursuit to make something of ourselves. Are you making something of your... Are you impacting the world for Christ? Watch out. Because the answer is, of course I am. I am a child of promise. But the answer that they want is, ooh, I better self-examine and get my act together. Come back to slavery, my friend. Don't do it. You have freedom. Breathe. Be. Rest. Free to do. Sure you're free to do. Do lots. Fabulous. But without measure and without worry. Because you are a child of promise. Because you are forgiven. Because you are His. You are not burnishing your tomb. You have a new heart. Oh, how do I have it? By promise. What Jesus Christ has done for you. Oh. We are the most blessed people ever. He's for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this passage in Galatians and Paul's strength in, in understanding your promise and the Old Testament that you gave for us to know. Father, I pray you would drive your word in our hearts by your spirit. I pray that we might understand the message, that we might stand on it. Father, I pray for everyone in this room that we might stand firm in the freedom that you've given us, the freedom from ourselves to trust that we are yours and you are shaping and molding and using us exactly as you want to. Can't wait to be with you forever, Jesus. Thank you that you intercede for us even now. It's in your precious name we pray.